Note to Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The curiosity which Zanoni has excited among those who think it worth while to dive into the subtler meanings they believe it intended to convey may excuse me in adding a few words, not in explanation of its mysteries, but upon the principles which permit them. Zanoni is not, as some have supposed, an allegory, but beneath the narrative it relates, typical meanings are concealed. It is to be regarded in two characters, distinct yet harmonious. First, that of the simple and objective fiction, in which the reader judges the writer by the usual canons, namely the consistency of his characters under such admitted circumstances, the interest of his story, and the coherence of his plot. Of the work regarded in this view, it is not my intention to say anything, whether in exposition of the design or in defense of the execution. No typical meanings can afford just excuse of a writer of fiction, for the errors he should avoid in the most ordinary novel. We have no right to expect the most ingenious reader to search for the inner meaning, if the obvious course of the narrative be tedious and displeasing. It is, on the contrary, in proportion as we are satisfied with the objective sense of a work of imagination, that we are inclined to search into its depths for the more secret intentions of the author. Were we not so divinely charmed with Faust and Hamlet and Prometheus, so ardently carried on by the interest of the story told to the common understanding, we should trouble ourselves little with the types in each which of all of us can detect. None of us can elucidate, for the essence of the type is mystery. We behold the figure, we cannot lift the veil. The author himself is not called upon to explain what he designed. An allegory is a personation of distinct and definite things, virtues or qualities, and the key can be easily given. But a writer who conveys typical meanings may express them in myriads. He cannot disentangle all the hues which commingle into the light he seeks to cast upon truth and therefore the great masters of this enchanted soil fairyland of fairyland poetry embedded beneath poetry wisely leave to each mind to guess at such truths as best please or instruct it to have asked gotha to explain the faust would have entailed as complex and puzzling an answer as to have asked mephistopheles to explain what is beneath the earth that we tread on the stores beneath may differ for every passenger each step may require a new description and what is true to the geologist may be rubbish to the miner. Six worlds may lie under a sod, but to the common eye they are but six layers of stone. Art in itself, if not necessarily typical, is essentially a suggester of something subtler than that which it embodies to the sense. What Pliny tells us of a great painter of old is true of most great painters. Their works express something beyond the works, more felt than understood. This belongs to the concentration of intellect which high art demands, and which, of all the arts, sculpture best illustrates. Take Thorwaldston's statue of Mercury. It is but a single figure, yet it tells to those conversant with mythology a whole legend. The god has removed the pipe from his lips, because he has already lulled to sleep the Argus, whom you do not see. He is pressing his heel against his sword because the moment is come when he may slay his victim. Apply the principle of this noble concentration of art to the moral writer. He, too, gives to your eye but a single figure. Yet each attitude, each expression, may refer to events and truths. You must have the learning to remember, the acuteness to penetrate, or the imagination to conjecture. But to a classical judge of sculpture, 
would not the exquisite pleasure of discovering the all not hold in thorwaldston's masterpiece be destroyed if the artist had engraved in detail his meaning at the base of the statue is it not the same with the typical sense which the artist in words conveys the pleasure of divining art in each is the noble exercise of all by whom art is worthily regarded we of the humbler race not unreasonably shelter ourselves under the authority of the masters on whom the world's judgment is pronounced and great names are cited not with the arrogance of equals but with the humility of inferiors the author of zanoni gives then no key to mysteries be they trivial or important which may be found in the secret chambers by those who lift the tapestry from the wall but out of the many solutions of the main enigma if enigma indeed there be which have been sent to him he ventures to select one which he subjoins from the ingenuity and thought which it displays and from the respect for the distinguished writer who deemed him worthy of honour he is proud to display he leaves it to the reader to agree with or dissent from the explanation a hundred men says the old platonist may read the book by the help of the same lamp yet all may differ on the text for the lamp only lights the characters the mind must divine the meaning the object of a parable is not that of a problem it does not seek to convince but to suggest it takes the thought below the surface of the understanding to the deeper intelligence which the world rarely tasks it is not sunlight on the water it is a hymn chanted to the nymph who hearkens and awakes below end of note recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceover-solutions dot com